This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Empire. Opening up lines of communication, it's been needed in programs for years. Initially, we were focused on the issues, right? It's a big bombshell crisis. We need to know about this to address it. Over the last couple of years, our system has expanded to really more of an engagement tool. Um, call it like true communication, where it's not only the issues right, but it's communicating about um, questions that people may have. That's David Chadwick, CEO of Real Response, who is helping athletes and programs deal with real-time issues. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. There have been too many scandals in intercollegiate sports to name, and many of them always end up with a revelation of how that could have gone on for so long. David Chadwick is hoping to help with major and a lot of less newsworthy but important team issues by opening up the lines of communication easier for all of the participants. Our guest this week is David Chadwick. He's the founder and the CEO of Real Response, which is a platform for sports teams and other organizations to provide them an anonymous communication platform that gives them a centralized place to collect feedback and report urgent concerns and other issues. Hi, David. How are you? Hey, Bram. Doing well. Nice. For, thanks for having me. Okay. You, your background is actually as a D1 player. You were a basketball player at, um, at Rice and Valpo. Um, why did you create this? Was there, is there something in your background that led you to create something like this? Sure. Yeah. It's the classic entrepreneurial story of experiencing something firsthand and wanting to find a solution for it. So as you said, I played basketball. I began my career at Rice University. Absolutely loved my time at Rice um, and then transferred to Valparaiso. And through my time at those two universities, I found a consistent theme of student athletes not feeling like they, like they had a safe and efficient way to speak up and to use their voice and to share concerns that they had. Um, I experienced firsthand some former teammates that were making accusations around discrimination and abuse. It became a national story. Um, and I found myself in the crosshairs of all that going, you know, these were teammates that I had personal relationships with. And if this was going on, how it's not uncovered and addressed sooner. But if it wasn't, you know, how did they not have more protection around it? But what I realized in talking to so many other student athletes was this was a unanimous concern of student athletes not feeling like they had a voice, not feeling like they had a way to speak up. And I was taking a class where I had to come up with an idea and, and wanted to come up with something that would solve that challenge. Um, and came up with something that at the time was a way for student athletes to be able to provide feedback on their experiences to their administrators and to help them better understand the culture of their programs and to address those more serious issues that might be going on. So I, uh, I began to cold call and cold email Division One ADs um, of the 300 plus across the country. I interviewed over 200 of them. Huh. And what I asked is, how do you currently get feedback from your kids and what are the challenges that you hear in that process? 
Um, and I began to hear recurring themes. Uh, athletic directors were frustrated at the lack of participation from student athletes. They were finding out about stuff when it was way too late that if they had known earlier, they could have addressed it. Um, and ultimately, that was validation for me to pursue to what real response has become today. And, and after identifying that need and wanting to find a solution. I mean, obviously, there's a tremendous amount of high profile things that have occurred, whether it's abuse or other types of things that have made national stories that we're hearing about. And every time I read one of these or see one of these and have been in sports for so long, I know how small the group of people we're talking about on these teams or these administrations are. I don't understand why these things are being addressed until they're too late. Could, could you just give me a sense of why these things seem to be allowed to go on for as long as they go on for? Sure. Obviously, every situation is different. Um, but what I think makes the sports world unique, and at our roots, it was athlete-focused, but I think more broadly what we're realizing is you have employee and staff members and coaches and others that are affected in these types of tragic situations. You know, the sports world creates a highly pressurized situation where um, athletes, for example, um, have things like playing time or um, scholarship or perhaps their network and their long-term goals of being a coach and not wanting to, to take this what they have, or there's just a reluctancy to speak up because they don't want to jeopardize those types of things that are very important to them if you look at the employees of some of those sports organizations, it's very similar, right? It's career driven, it's relationships, not wanting to taint those relationships and to affect those ultimate goals. So as a result, number one, there's a reluctancy to speak up because people don't want to to um, to taint those opportunities that they have. But number two, I, I also believe that there's just antiquated ways of people having a way to come forward. You know, the the expectation that someone's going to walk into someone's office and raise a concern is highly unlikely, especially in this younger demographic where people are much more familiar with technology. They're much more comfortable communicating through text messages and um, on, on messengers versus picking up the phone and calling someone, um, let alone picking up the phone and calling a hotline and speaking to someone that they don't even know. So I yeah. think it's just this combination of there being you know, a, a enormous power dynamic in the sports world where people do not want to to lose out on those opportunities and their ultimate goals combined with just very outdated ways of communicating with their constituents, gather, gathering feedback and perhaps being able to address those concerns before they bubble into the crisis, like you're mentioning. So like so there's kind of no such thing as trusted HR in sports. There has not been. No. You know, it's interesting. When I interviewed those athletic directors, this was about eight years ago, I asked, how do you currently get feedback from your student athletes? And the types of answers that I heard were, number one, the informal ways, right? So this was, I observe and I watch practice and I travel with teams and I can tell if there's an issue based upon those observations. And again, that open door policy expectation. The formal ways in the collegiate space were we do exit interviews, right? So this was the NCAA best practice so that you ask a student athlete on their way out how their experiences went. The challenge there is you're asking someone to reflect on the last three, four, five, six years yeah. when oftentimes they're bringing forward a concern that happened a long time ago. So huh. it's a little bit outdated. Um, and then a lot of athletic directors have done surveys and that could be like a pen and paper survey. I talked to someone once that still did the number two pencil and Scantron uh, that could be a survey monkey. There's, there's so many different ways that you could do kind of that formal feedback mechanism, but a lot of those just don't get good participation. Student athletes don't understand what they're used for and the goals. 
Um, so while there's not per se, like you mentioned, the formal HR policy, there have been ways that they tried, but they've just been outdated. Now, as we've gotten beyond our college athletics roots and talking to other groups, we've realized that um, there are other methods like you've described, HR and hotlines and things like that. But as I mentioned earlier, even those are outdated, right? There's just a reluctance yeah. to use some of the antiquated ways of communicating versus what we're trying to bring to the table now. Okay. So I, I understand the modern purpose of all of this and that it's more likely someone would use a, a platform like this to raise a concern. But the bottom line of the things that you talked about previously, which is you're worried about reprisal. You're worried about what this will do for your career, what this may do for your goals by speaking up, even if it's through this per- through this platform. How do you kind of address those real still continued concerns that people may have with saying anything? Yeah, it's interesting. One, one piece I'd love to expand on that I think will help answer your question is, you know, initially we were focused on the issues, right? The big bombshell crisis. We need to know about this to address it. Over the last couple of years, our system has expanded to really more of an engagement tool, um, call it like true communication, where it's not only the issues right, but it's communicating about um, questions that people may have, pointing them to resources, um, uh, directing them to different areas beyond maybe what they were originally reaching out for, like a mental health resources or, or something like that. And the reason I'm expanding on that to you is I think that helps demonstrate that our system builds trust. Um, where someone may come forward where it perhaps initially is a more minor concern, a more minor question, some feedback they're providing in an area, the organization is able to receive it. And then one of the really valuable parts of our system is to be able to respond back to it without knowing who came forward, communicate back and forth with that person. And what we're seeing is that two-way engagement helps build trust that ultimately, to your question, leads to the likelihood that someone is going to bring forward that more serious concern because I know who's on the other line of this, right? I've already dealt with that person before. I know this organization and their leadership is truly prioritizing my experiences and my needs versus just this, hey, here's a hotline in place and you can come tell us if there's a major concern, but you know all the other stuff needs to come through traditional channels. We really want to open it up to more broad feedback. Now, that's kind of philosophically and you know more culture-focused how we've been able to, I think, increase engagement. And then our platform is just tremendous, you know, making it so someone can come forward where it is anonymous and the organization does not know where it came from. That's a bedrock principle of ours where that information is never disclosed. Um, but then leading to the two-way communication, like I said, where you can go back and forth with that individual. Um, the last thing I'd say third is, you know, our, our reputation now of dealing with prominent college athletic departments, professional leagues, Olympic national bo- governing bodies, et cetera. It's gotten, to, it's gotten to the point now where an organization, when they are um, proactively announcing the implementation of our platform, they are wanting to promote it to their constituents, but also to lean on the facts that all these other groups are utilizing our system as well um, as validation, right? To be able to say you're using the same system that this prominent sports league is using or that this national governing body um, versus not having that brand reputation and that experience like we have in that space as well. So we're very proud of that. We're if an organization is implementing real response, they're able to say we're putting in the best in class system that you can rely on to be able to communicate in these ways. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Chalk and Dog, which brings together the vast experience and expertise of two of the brightest agencies in media, sports, wagering, and gaming. With deep roots in the UK and the US, the agency offers expert guidance in everything from market entry to market expansion for startups as well as established global brands powered by best-in-class communication and creative experts. Chalk and Dog has vast international experience and delivers results-oriented, tailor-made solutions for B2B and B2C organizations. So how does it work? An athletic, you work with an athletic department and they introduce this to their teams, coaches, administrators as an app. Is that, is that how this works? Um, We're a web app, so we're not a mobile app intentionally. We recognize that there are a a lot of competing apps, both either within the the sports space or even beyond. I like to joke with people, we're never going to beat out TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, (laughs) whoever, and that's okay. Um, and we don't want to take up their precious storage space because when the Apple alert comes up and it says your storage space is limited, we recognize we're going to be the first to go. But this is not something that should likely be used every day, right? It really is on that ASNI basis. So it's a mobile app. I'm sorry, it's a web app. And then there's there's two different ways that we can implement our partners. So some partners say to us, we have a specific group of people that we want to be able to communicate with. So to your point, a college athletic department might say, we have 500 student athletes. That's the specific group of people that we want to be able to engage with. We don't want the public or random people to be able to tell us that they aren't happy with the outcome of the, the sporting event a few days ago. Other partners don't have a specific group of people that they want to engage with. They really want more of an open loop where anyone that has information can come forward and bring it to them. You know, thinking about a national governing body like USA Swimming or Track and Field that has 400,000 plus members, it would be impossible for them to upload those users into our system. Um, But they want to be able to hear from them, right? If there is a safe sport or misconduct concern to be able to bring it to their attention so they can address it quickly. Okay, and then let's let's talk about the initial response. Um, If someone is using it and they put in a concern and they do it somewhat anonymously, who responds to that? Is that a person? Is it AI? How, how does that how does that initially work? Yeah, it depends. It's a combination. There are ways to enter, you know, auto replies. Generally, those auto replies are a um, good place to be able to outline disclaimers, um, immediately point to emergency contact information, mental health resources, etc. So we've got some different ways where those automated resources could be provided back to the person, especially if someone's not available to respond in a timely way. Because some of this, like some of this is designed to address urgent concern, correct? 
Um, we are not a crisis line, right. nor do we want to position ourselves for that. I mean, certainly there could be urgent concerns, but you know, generally those types of urgent crisis concerns you want going to, you know, the the the, the, the police or, or or folks, you know, uh, qualified mental health experts yeah. who are able to intake those and, and talk down and you know any type of matter that might be escalated. So, um, I would say generally organizations are encouraging urgent, just using that term more, more generally concerns, but not necessarily like crisis level yeah. situations that, that there are emergencies, probably another way to put it. Um, we as a company are not seeing anything. We're not responding back to it. You know, our, our job is really to set up our partners to be in a position to be able to do that. So they would upload their administrators that they want to have access to the system with different levels of permission. Yeah. Um, and then really it's their job to decide, you know, who's going to respond back. Um, setting up the different types of, of responses they might want to have. And then they're able to engage back and forth with the person um, again, while as long as he or she so chooses to remain anonymous. Yeah. And, and then this is, it's incumbent on them to, to check into the platform. Are they notified? Because clearly somebody could say something very serious on, on a platform like this. That's what you're encouraging them to do, right? To come forward and talk about serious issues that are happening within their program sure. or organization. Definitely serious. I don't want to limit it to serious, though, because we do see, again, broad use, yeah. um, uh, feedback, questions, et cetera. But if, if something did come through, then the appropriate people that they designated will be alerted. Um, and then they have the ability to come in, see the submission, document follow up, loop in the appropriate people, categorize it for future reporting and to have everything in one spot thereafter. Okay. But I think it sounds like part of your goal here is, is to re-engage dialogue that that's been lost, right? And you're doing it through because that's how people converse with one another these days. Is that kind of the, the, the real basis of this? If we get each other talking to one another again, maybe some of these other things will not happen or will be lessened in severity. Absolutely. We're, we're enhancing communication. Um, the buzzwords also engagement. We're engaging with people um, and creating thoughtful dialogue. And to your point, perhaps bringing down matters before they escalate into a bigger crisis. You know, we had an example that was told to us by an athletic director, a very prominent athletic director, where a student athlete came in once and popped off a message about a coach and how he or she was being abusive and harassing them at practice, et cetera. The athletic director calmly responded back and said, you know, thank you for bringing this to my attention. You know, I'm happy to discuss this with you. And the student athlete actually responded back and said, wow, you know, Mr. And Mrs. So-and-so, I can't believe you responded back. I was just in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you really caring for me and, 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 and taking the time to respond back. So just that simple moment allowed them to bring somebody off a ledge. Versus you never know, that person goes to Twitter or social media and puts it out there. And yeah. a few media members pick up and it becomes a much bigger nightmare that never needed to happen. Yeah, and maybe, there, you know, there's obviously there's a growing concern about mental health, specifically of young people. Um, and you're talking about young people that are in highly pressurized situations as well. Um, I assume that there's part of this as well, that, that there's that you recognize that there's a mental health issue and that dialogue matters here in this in this day and age. Absolutely. The, the, the mental health need has escalated quickly um, in our platform. And it's really a broad term that covers a number of different areas. You know, we see the most extreme examples where an athletic director told us that through our platform, a student athlete had anonymously alerted them that a teammate had 
um, attempted suicide and they had no idea and they immediately found out about it, hospitalized that person. Um, so those more extreme examples have happened, but we also see some of the more, um, minor, uh, uh, predictive issues that yeah. might escalate into something much bigger down the road. And a, and a common example is, Hey, I'm really concerned about my teammate. Um, they've really been struggling since X, Y, Z, um, parents got a divorce, uh, someone passed away, you know, you yeah. name it. Um, how can I help him or her? And at the very least, that now puts it on the organization's radar that this may be a student of concern. This may be a person of concern. They can check in with him or her, make sure that they're aware of resources and everyone's in the loop. Um, so sometimes, sometimes those early indicators that we see come forward are student athletes or whoever employees, you know, raising concerns about each other because they're really in the weeds about knowing what's going on in their day to day and helping the organization prioritize the well-being as a result. David Chadwick is the founder and the CEO of Real Response. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On the next Future Sport Podcast, AI takes on a new memorable opportunity. Uh, with Dustin, what we did is uh, something innovative. We we did a campaign for his retirement that combined the 3D display that's located in front of Green Store Stadium, but we did a uh, um, very fast turnaround in less than a month. We did a, a special VFX video of him bursting from the screen in 3D. That's Jalad Talman, CEO of Yum, who helped a famous king ride off into his sporting sunset virtually. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.